Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marie-Lynn Germain. In this episode, Dr. Scott Beeson, Professor of Management and Silverman Global Faculty Fellow at Fairleigh Dickinson University, talks about why it's vital for management and leaders to view employees as whole people and to develop a robust, flexible, and compassionate workplace that really values a business's greatest partners, its employees. Welcome, Dr. Beeson. Oh, great to be here. Thank you. Dr. Scott Beeson is professor of management, researcher, and the author of the book, The Whole Person Workplace, Building Better Workplaces Through Work-Life, Wellness, and Employee Support. Scott, can you explain what you mean by the whole person? Yes. So people don't just exist during work hours, right? And they don't just exist a certain part of themselves that is involved in their work during those work hours, right? We could view employees just as a part of the machine that you know, works for us from nine to five, or we could view employees as whole people who exist outside of work and have whole lives outside of work and responsibilities and priorities and work-life challenges and stressors and priorities outside of work and a desire to bring more of themselves to work as well. So we're all whole people. We sometimes forget about that in business settings. And, you know, I think that and in the research and interviewing I did for the book, The Whole Person Workplace, you know, I profiled a lot of employers who really do value their employees as whole people through a wide range of policies, programs, decisions, and how they shape their organizational culture, because that's the way you really get the best out of people. And you create this excellent workplace culture where people really want to work for you and they're engaged when they're at work. And the, the final thing, and I'm sorry for, for going on a little bit, is the, you know, some people talk about work-life separation and, you know, there's kind of been this fiction, right, that work and life should be separate. At least a lot of corporate America has told people this. Certainly the last 18 months have made it far more clear that it's hard to separate the two, right? If someone is not thriving outside of work because of health problems or childcare stress or, you know, whatever their challenge might be at the time that's distracting them and causing them anxiety, they can't be fully present or engaged at work. You know, there's a connection between how well people are doing in their whole lives and how well they could do at work. And actually, that really reminds me of the spillover effect, right? Whereby sure. what happens at work affects our private life and vice versa. Absolutely. And we saw it even more so, I think, with a lot of people with remote work over the last 18 months, right? Where the spillover was obvious for everyone to see. You had kids and cats and dogs and living rooms uh, that we got to see the spillover between work and life. So in a nutshell, Scott, what's the premise of your book and what's in it for HR professionals? Sure. So the premise of the book is that really the best long-term sustainable approach to running a workplace is to value your employees as whole people. And I kind of talked about that already, kind of the, the values base of valuing your employees, not just for what they could do for you, not just for when they're at work, but valuing them as full, whole people. 
So the first part is the philosophy. And the second part really is then how do you get started with it? So in the book, I start with the philosophy. And then there's lots of implications for human resources types and leaders and business owners and anyone else who shapes a workplace in terms of now that you've decided that you're going to value your employees and try to help them rise to some of their life challenges, then how do we think about workplace flexibility differently? How do we think about parental leave differently? How do we think about wellness programs differently? How do we think about even compensation and benefits or even performance management differently? How do we think about childcare or volunteer programs? I really run through a lot of different ways in which we can enact our whole person workplace values with a lot of examples from ginormous multinational companies down to food stores with 12 employees and you know, kind of every type of employer in between. Because the values can be universal. How you express them has to be appropriate for your workplace, for your people and your circumstances. So I really tried to bring a, a wide variety of examples to bear. What do you think has changed for organizations, but also for employees in an almost post-pandemic world? Yes, well, hopefully post-pandemic world, right? Um, it feels like we were closer to a post-pandemic world just a few weeks ago, right? Listen, it is a amazingly complicated time for both employers and employees right now. I think a lot of the uh, corporate world was looking to this fall to get back to normal-ish, right? And to maybe if we weren't going to bring all our workers back to the workplace all the time, at least we were going to bring the bulk of our workforce back to the workplace for much of the time. Of course, the Delta variant has, has delayed some of that. But it's really made things complicated, right? I mean, it was easy when everybody worked in a co-located facility in, a, in, in one building. It's more complicated when you have hybrid work approaches in teams where some people might be in office and some people might not. It's a real challenge for managers and for employers and for human resources professionals to be able to build systems that are flexible that can handle the additional complexity. But I really hope that we've learned something over these last 18 months in the working world that letting go of some of these constraints of time and place actually enables really excellent performance to happen. And it would be a shame to just revert back to what we were doing before without learning and applying the lessons we've learned about the benefits of remote work and of telecommuting and how we're still able to communicate well or build collaboration or build cohesiveness at a distance, how we're able to build more resilient systems, how we're able to better validate the employees as whole people and, and you know, care about their physical and emotional well-being. All of these things are on the table now. It makes life a lot more complicated. I think the human resources profession is on the cusp of being recognized as important as it always should have been, because they're really at the forefront of making sure that this new, more complicated workplace is going to be implemented well. And so what do you think the challenges facing employers and NHR professionals might be? The fact is, it's become clear that not everybody has the same work preferences. Not everybody works as well under the same systems. Some people worked extremely well and were super happy with remote work and would love to remote work forever. Other people can't wait to get back to the office full time. Lots of people are kind of in between. That's a challenge, right? How do we get the best out of each of these people who might want a different approach to how they interact with the rest of the workplace? 
it's easy to say everybody back or everybody stay remote because it's easier to manage that. But if we embrace the complication and design systems that are flexible enough to accommodate a wider variety of employees in terms of their working styles, in terms of how they work best, how their work fits with the rest of their lives better. I think that's the key to long-term sustainable success. I think it's not easy. One of the lessons that I, I really learned when researching the book, and a lot of the interviews I did were during the height of the COVID pandemic. And I'm talking to these chief human resource officers and CEOs and other professionals. I was talking to them right as two months after their workplaces shut down and they're still trying to figure out what do we do, right? And almost all of them were saying, we already allowed for work flexibility before. We already did a great job making sure that people were oriented and onboarded into our culture and that our teams were really cohesive before so that when we had to go remote, we were able to deal with that. Uh, whereas other companies were really catching up and maybe never quite caught up. And I think that's going to be the same going forward here in this next transition to a, a hybrid approach, which is those organizations that already have the culture, that already value employees as whole people, that already embraced some level of flexibility are going to be able to succeed going forward and the others are going to struggle to succeed. And what do you find that the challenges that employees are facing might be? Yeah, well, there's several things from an employee standpoint, right? So if, if it's a hybrid workplace and, and some workers are going to come in 100% of the time and other workers are only going to come in some of the time, I suppose some employees might feel like if they're out of sight, they're out of minds, they might be passed over for opportunities. So those might be some of the challenges that they might face. I think the other challenge that you know, obviously has become clear over the last 18 months of remote work is many employees struggled with stepping away from work because you could always open your laptop and work. Some people either put the pressure on themselves or felt pressure from their employers to kind of always be plugged in and always be working. And I think that's a real challenge for managers and employees alike to make sure that we value employees enough to value their time that they can have to separate from work. And I think some of that might have been lost in this remote work and could be lost in a hybrid type of approach. Do you believe that employees are asking or expecting perhaps too much from their employers today? Perhaps the younger generation, millennials, Gen Zs? No, I, I really don't think so, actually. I think that it is great that, and again, I'm a university professor, so I deal with Gen Z people going into HR, into business careers all the time. And I love the fact that they are seeking out employers that match their values, that they're not just trying to maximize the money they make. They're looking for a place that's a good fit and a, a workplaces that will value them. And they're not afraid to ask about those on job interviews and negotiate that stuff when, when they come on board. I think so many positive workplace changes over the last decade, decade and a half have come because of the impatience of the young who have not been shy in asking for what they want and, you know, good for them. And I think it's been generally good for a lot of people in, uh, in the working world that, you know, we're seeking more from our employers, right? And I think, you know, we hear all this news about the great resignation or the great reset. 
And part of it is, you know, it's hard to work in a kitchen. It's hard to work construction. It's hard to work on a sales floor, especially if you're only making 11 or $12 an hour and you had to work all through COVID and, you know, worry about your health for so much of it. And yeah, I mean, good for employees for wanting to rework the deal and to get a better deal for themselves and to be valued more. And I don't think it's just wanting a few extra dollars an hour, although that's nice. I think the great resignation really is much more employees thinking back over the last 18 months and saying, well, the place I worked, did they consider me? Did they consider me as a whole person? Do they consider my wants and desires? Are they talking to us about what our return to workplace strategy is? Did they consider my mental health and how I was feeling over these 18 months? And if they're coming up with the answer that, no, they didn't really support me so well, and they're not really listening to me so much now, it's a time where the labor market is allowing people to find new situations. So I think workplaces that you know, have put into place a lot of the things that I researched and, and write about and provide advice on in the whole person workplace, I think they're going to be a step ahead in terms of being able to attract and retain really good talent. In your research, Scott, have you found that employers are embracing change overall? I really wanted to profile positive examples in my book. So I talked to a lot of organizations that are absolutely embracing a lot of these workplace changes and seeing the positives in these changes. It would be naive for me to say, however, that that's universal. And I think it varies an awful lot. And, you know, there are places that really just want to get back to normal and and forget all this other stuff. And it's not all one or the other. I think, again, there's organizations that get it and embrace it. There are a lot of organizations that have tolerated flexibility over the last 18 months. But I think the ones that will be better positioned for the next disruption or, you know, hopefully not another pandemic, but, you know, maybe the next thing that that shakes up the workplace will have embraced some degree of flexibility so that, you know, they'll be more uh, resilient uh, going forward. So what do you think a happy and a healthy workplace will look like in five years from now, Scott? Well, uh, it's hard to make predictions in the world, right? If I, we were sitting here two years ago and you asked me to predict what has happened to the workplace, you know, I would have been way off, right? However, I think some of these things are universal. I think that you know, the wall of separation between work and life is here to stay. So I think happy, healthy workplaces, it's not that work and life are always together and integrate and you're always working and it's paternalistic. And like some people get the wrong impression about what we mean about work-life integration. But what I really think is employers that, again, value their employees, not just as a part of the machine for eight hours a day, or not even just as valued assets that they invest in. So they'll return right on that investment, but value their employees as whole people are going to have people working for them that are far more happier to be there, who feel better about the other things that are going on in their lives. And as a result, are going to be able to be much more engaged, um, happy and loyal. And so I predict that, you know, again, it won't be universal, but I, I, I believe that more employers are going to have an understanding of this going forward. In closing, what do you think HR professionals uh, can do to really ensure that they and their employees work in a whole person workplace? 
Well, there's lots of things HR professionals can do. Obviously, they're the ones who are, you know, you're the, you know, you're the professionals who work on these policies and programs, right? So, you know, you're designing the, the flexibility programs and the leave programs and the benefits packages and the compensation packages and, you know, all these other things that are so essential for, for the workplace. But I want to take it away from kind of what we think about traditional human resources and just make sure, because I think fundamentally what has to happen in order to have a whole person workplace where we value our employees, we have to listen to our employees and we need to continuously gauge our employee concerns, how they feel about the workplace, what could be improved for them, what are some of the stressors or pain points that many of our employees might be feeling in their lives. And if we have our finger on the pulse of that, then we can design, deliver programs, policies, decisions, et cetera, that will um, really have the highest impact. We need to make sure we're constantly in communication with our employees. We're truly listening because even the most well-intentioned human resources professional, organizational leader, we have blind spots. We can't know everything. We really need to be able to listen well. And in large companies, this might mean surveying on a regular basis and you know other formal mechanisms, employee resource groups and task forces and you know listening groups and, and things like that. Uh, in smaller organizations, you know, a one CHRO of a, a company with 150 employees was like, I know everybody here. I talk to them. I know, you know what, what they're concerned about and we can customize solutions for them. So whether you're you know, a giant multinational, you can listen to your employees in one sense. If you're two food stores, you can really get to know your employees very well and customize solutions and have custom fit solutions that work well for you and your employees. So listening, I think, would be the number one key to making the leap from really good human resources to being like really responsive human resources that values, it's truly values its employees as whole people. You can't serve the whole person if you don't know what else is going on or, or what our employees are concerned about. Thank you, Scott, for sharing your insights about why it's vital for organizations to view their employees as whole people. And as you mentioned, to develop robust, flexible, and also compassionate workplaces. All right. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.